Okay, we are live with our new podcast, the uh, At The Movies podcast. This is presented by FanFuel Sports, FanFuel Showbiz, um, and we have our three podcasts, which is At The Minute and Hot Take Hoops. My name is Jordan Nickel, um, and we are here. In- What's up? Uh, ben Delameter here uh, from, you know, the other side of this, the other side of the country. Chiming yeah. in with Jordan. We will definitely have some back and forth between the two cultures, but um, no, we're we're both very excited to get this new show underway. Um, we will be bringing essentially just a whole bunch of film and TV related news um, reviews that we'll definitely get into. Um, you know, some upcoming things that we're both excited about, and therefore, so should everybody else in the entire world. Yeah. So uh, without further ado, let's uh, let's kick it off. All right. So Jordan, what have you been watching lately? I know we were talking about doing news first, but I also kind of just want to jump right in and hear, you know, what what you've been diving into. So um, I binge watched Don't Fuck With Cats on Sunday, which was a Netflix documentary. I'm not too sure if you've heard about it. Yes. I was actually chatting with a coworker about that yesterday. That is what some dude was making like Facebook videos of him like just maiming cats. Well, without giving too much away, because, um, you know, I don't want to spoil the first thing that we're going to be talking about, kind of. Um <laughs> It essentially, it, it's about a, a guy who essentially kills some kittens and streams it live. And one thing leads to another. You, you get some internet warriors um, and they kind of catch him. But um, yeah, it, it escalates and it gets real fucked up and weird. Weird's a good word to describe it as, honestly. Yeah, it's it sounded super weird to me, um, and that that's actually kind of funny that you've been on a kind of a true crime binge as well. I actually just wrapped up uh, binging in two days a little true crime docu series also on Netflix called um, "The Devil Next Door." Amazing, you you've seen it? I saw it. Yeah, about the, uh, the oh, supposed Nazi. Ab- I mean, absolutely bonkers. I have never had a series where I flipped flop back and forth like this guy is so guilty straight into this whole thing's rigged he's not guilty and right like, every 10 minutes just oh it's insane um yeah i, I watched that a couple of weeks ago but it's good that you've seen that because um i thought it was fucking great because of like you said like you think he's guilty then you're like wait that don't make sense and then there's more evidence oh, it's, it's pretty crazy i highly recommend yeah. it for you guys to to view that one a hundred percent. I um, I felt like I'd been burned out on true crime series, uh, just because of the sheer volume of them that were put out. You know, like twenty seventeen to twenty eighteen, and so. But this one was just—it was five quick episodes, and it felt like a breath of fresh air for sure. Yeah, I've. It's kind of weird that you say that because now that I think about it, I just finished I think season two, uh, Mind Hunter, which love that show. Which was it's amazing again, and they kind of based that off of true crimes and true serial killers which again if you haven't seen that series um highly recommend highly recommend i i I would love to do a whole episode on mindhunter honestly because i think the dynamic between the first and second season of that show is awesome because it goes from a very subtle you know low-key interview style show and then the second season it just blows up into like a you know, a current investigation. And yeah, I mean, I could talk for a hot minute about that one, but that is an awesome, an awesome series as well. Yeah. Especially it surrounds that there's that backstory of the BTK killer down um, in Wicked yeah. Park, Kansas. And obviously I, I'm basing in Kansas city right now. So that's kind of, again, intriguing to, to, to watch. Yeah. It's definitely a good one. Um, anything else, anything else you've been watching as of recent? Um, honestly, not particularly. Um, so with that, do you want to get into some news that I've seen online? And we, well, we've both yeah. got some news, haven't we? But um, yeah, so we've both got a little bit. Season three of Ozark um, is set to release March time, which is another show that I highly recommend. It's about uh, basically Jason Bateman um, moves his family from Chicago down to the Missouri Ozarks, which 
again, a lot of my friends have a uh, vacation there. So that it's, and uh, he's embezzling money for a drug dealer. So that's releasing on uh, March time. So I, I got I got a little tidbit. I actually just saw this today, and I try to keep up pretty well with A24, so I was kind of surprised that slipped by me. But there is a new A24 flick that is going to be hitting theaters, uh, I believe, early summer, it's looking like. Um, it's called First Cow. It's by Kelly Reichardt, which I probably butchered that name. <laughs> uh, she was known for a 2016 movie called Certain Women. Uh, but this movie was... Um, Put into festivals in the 2019 festival run. It apparently got really great, you know, uh, critical acclaim at like Telluride Film Festival right. and some other fests that went around like New York Film Fest. But it is going to be a um, an indie flick based on the novel The Half-Life by Jonathan Raymond. It's a 19th century period piece. Um and it just, you know, from the the cover alone, it's it's a big old picture of a cow on a barge in the middle of the river. And I almost don't want to dig into what this movie is going to be about because I am just so intrigued by the direction, even the main, like the opening poster gives me, I mean, I I'm excited about it. You know, we're talking about an a 24 flick today and they've just been killing it the past two years. So I would definitely, you know, keep an eye out on this one, keep an eye out for updates for it. I mean, it's so cool when you have those low-budgeted films uh, do so well at the box office, you know? Yeah, I mean, and, you know, the movie we're talking about today, Uncut Gems, it was a huge box office success, especially, I mean, I believe, what, its budget was around $20 million, yeah. which is crazy because it, it broke 30 in the first weekend that it was out. Yeah, I think it's currently, I think I saw online, like $38 million right now, so they did another $8 million at the weekend, which... I mean, rightly so. It's, it's going to be. It's, I'm looking it's forward to getting than cats. <laughs> it's, it's better than fucking <laughs> cats. Oh my god! Did you see Ricky Gervais call James Corden a fucking a fat pussy or something at the? Yes. Go- oh my oh god. man. That whole Ricky, if you haven't seen the Ricky Gervais monologue at the Golden Globes this year, get on YouTube right now and pull it up. Regardless of whether or not you're a fan of him, it is just bonkers. I mean. He 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 I, makes jokes oh. about Leonardo DiCaprio and he's sitting right there in the audience um, and you can see their yeah. reactions to his uh, absurdity, which I, I thought he's was got, funny. Oh, yeah. I loved, um, you know, he's got all the Epstein and Weinstein hot takes in there that obviously seem to have mixed reception <laughs> from most of the audience. But the funniest thing I saw is that during the whole thing, you know, some of the of the older actors and actresses are laughing. Some of them are frowning. Adam Driver is laughing his ass. I off love that the whole monologue. I I, mean, I, I it, like Adam Driver to begin with, and the fact that he was finding it so funny as well just made me like him even more. Yeah, I I really want to see. Uh, he just did that new movie with Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. Um, Marriage Story is that what it's called? It is. And have you seen it yet? I've not, but I've heard amazing reviews about it. Apparently his performance yeah. in that film is remarkable. So I'm excited. Yeah, I, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to seeing that one. Uh, what other news have you got? Um, You know, I don't have a ton of other uh, hot news. If you've got anything else, you are more than welcome to jump into it. Well, that- as people will uh, get to know, I'm... I'm a, I'm a pretty big Marvel nerd, and I saw a news um, article the other day that suggests Christian Bell is currently in talks with Disney to play an undisclosed character in the upcoming um, Thor four. Get that off. That's a tongue twister right there, isn't it? Thor four. The upcoming. Wait, say it again. Uh, Thor four. The oh, Thor. Yeah, Thor yeah, yeah. Four. There you Thor go. Four. Okay, I, I thought you were saying four four, and I, you know, I was really trying to pronounce my ths. <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, I'm like, it's it'll be his first comic book role since um, his Batman appearance, and we all know how uh, that trilogy went. So, so he's so he's switching sides, hopping from DC to Marvel. Although DC was a long time ago, potentially. Um, yeah. Did did the did the claim talk about who he potentially was going to be cast as in Thor four? Uh, it did not, but um, I mean, there's kind of a couple of characters um that he could play, like his kind of like th- physique and whatnot. He could play Thor's half brother, um, Boulder the Brave. Um, he could play okay. another character, which I saw. Um, he was an alien super soldier and like was the first kind of Marvel hero outside of those like 
gods and demigods to hold um, the hammer. Um, he, he was called Beta Ray Bill, but um, no, I, whoever he plays, even if he plays a villain, I bet he'd be a awesome villain as well. I mean, I just yeah, like the guy I, as an actor. So do you know if there's any news on a director for Thor 4? Personally, I want... I, I don't know if there is news, but I loved Taika Waititi on Thor uh, Ragnarok. I mean, I love the comedy that he brings to the movies. Uh, do you know, is is he coming back or is is there somebody else in line right now? Well, I'm pleased to say that um, he is coming back. And so to his <sighs> uh, character, Korg, Korg, you know, the, the rock okay, guy. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the Fortnite rock guy. Oh, dude, he's so he's so fucking funny <laughs> in Ragnarok. I was crying, and in Endgame as well. Um, playing, yeah, playing yeah. Fortnite and um, with Fat Thor. Yeah. I mean, it was top top notch stuff. Yeah. So Christian Bell. This is just a rumor as well. I wish it was more solid, yeah. but um, yeah, that could be fun. That sounds like it could be very fun. I would love to see. Christian Bale in a more lighthearted uh, superhero movie. I mean, I love the Dark Knight trilogy, but I definitely I enjoy kind of the lighter route that the Marvel movies take, and I think it would be pretty good to see Christian Bale even as some sort of goofy supervillain. Yeah, I mean, both you know the the trilogy did have uh, its humor, but obviously that humor was a lot darker, as you said, than the lighter humor yeah. uh, that Marvel presents. But um. Um, I'm excited for that. Like, like Taika Waititi is a, I mean, the couple of movies that I've seen him direct have been great. So I'm excited for that. And, you know, speaking of Taika Waititi, did you see the last episode of The Mandalorian? I did. I did. Did you know that it was directed by Taika Waititi? I did not until you said that. That's um, So I th- Think back to episode eight, that opening uh, scene with the two scout troopers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that makes so. That makes what, yes. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, I, you are so right. That screams him. I had no idea, yeah. and it makes so much sense. Me, me, and you know, I was watching the episode with my roommates, which I loved the end of that series, and also that's another series I'd love to talk about on an episode. One hundred percent. But as soon as that scene was over, my like roommate looks over me, and he's like. I'm anxious to see who directed this episode because I think I have an inkling of who it is. And sure enough, it got to the end and his name popped up and we were like, oh. Okay, that was very similar. There was a Rick and Morty episode that he guest starred in and I didn't know that he was in it, but I was kind of like. Wait, did he really? Yeah, it it was like one of the, um, he was the intern in that episode about the app. He was. Oh my gosh. Yeah, you know, like just. And at the end of the, uh, as the credits were going down, I, I was like, I, I was wondering if he was going to be on there and he came up and that was like a, oh, kind of moment for me too. Because uh, <laughs> That is too weird. I didn't even realize. Well, you know, he's doing his bloody job, right? When you've, you're recognizing him for his voice slash, you know, uh, film work. Yeah. I mean, he, his, his comedy has such a, a distinct and I feel like genuine style to it that it's, it's hard not to notice. And when you don't notice, you know, in, in hindsight, you see it again, just like a, a minute ago when we were talking uh, Mandalorian and it's like, oh, of course that was him. That like, make, makes so much it sense. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. yeah. And again, guys listening, if you haven't seen the Mandalorian, um, they're 35 minute episodes, so it's not even too time consuming. Um, Super digestible. Yeah. Highly, highly recommend that show too. But yeah, I mean, apart from that, um, I don't have too much more news wise, just that, you know, just off the top of my head, I saw um, young Ned Stark in the Game of Thrones has apparently got himself a role in the upcoming Lord of the Rings show. Um, okay. Just, That's an Amazon Prime exclusive, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Amazon okay. Prime, Hulu, one of those um, streaming services. Um, so yeah. that could be interesting too. I'm excited to see that show um, start to be talked about more. Yeah, definitely. Um, excited. Excited. You know, we're getting all these TV shows that are expanding the universes of some of the coolest, like, fantasy and science fiction series. Um, and, you know, Lord of the Rings is no exception. I'm excited to see it. I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic, uh, similar to my feelings with The Witcher and how The Witcher has come about. I just love the battle that we're seeing with all of these streaming services, you know, Netflix, Hulu, uh, Amazon Prime, Disney Plus. 
Apple Plus. You got like, was it Peacock? Whatever the the hell that was. Peacock. One. Yeah, I don't know. It's like a C. CD- I missed that. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. But there's a lot of the streaming services coming to play, and I'm I'm here take my money. It's kind of weird having all these streaming services kind of take all their stuff to their own because at the beginning Netflix was a big hub, right? And had like a lot of Disney on it. It had a lot of it was a monopoly, you know, Fox, it really. Showtime, it was. Um, but now there's like Showtime anytime, HBO Go, you know, Netflix, Hulu, and they're all doing their own, which is neat to see. I, th- I think we're getting these niche series like you know, this Lord of the Rings series and the Witcher series because they're all trying to find, you know, unique audiences because they can't just be a hub anymore now right. that everybody's starting their own service. Yeah. I mean, when you have the rights like Disney, Disney obviously does, that is, it would be silly for them not to pursue because you know that people are going to pay the seven ninety nine or whatever it is to, to watch it. Um, you know, so it's, like I said, it's exciting to see all of these different streaming platforms battling it out releasing all of these new original shows that um i'm i'm all here for yeah i am as well so should we uh go ahead and start the deep dive into this absolutely wild movie i watched this movie uncut gems on the plane back from london to to the united states and um, I was I was sweating. Were you sweating 30, through your seat? <laughs> I was I was fucking sweating at like thirty five thousand feet, just like watching uh, this absurd character that you should really fucking hate, but you love him just because of how absurd he is. Yeah, I mean, so like a, a quick summary, because I, oh, I don't yeah, want to give anything away. Well, no, let's. I mean, let's dive into it. I think like we can. I'd hope people had seen it by now if they're watching this, this show. So, or listening to this yeah, show, yeah. If if you're listening to the show and you have seen the movie, please keep listening. If you haven't seen the movie, listen to this quick summary and then turn this off and go see the movie and come back because this is 100 percent a movie that demands your view. So. Adam Sandler, weirdly enough, uh, is the lead role in this movie, and Adam Sandler plays a um, the owner of a jewelry store who is part of a big Jewish family that is linked to jewelry and gym trading, and essentially, he just makes bad decision after bad decision, continually tying himself up in sticky situations that he's either barely able to scrape out of or sometimes just like not able to scrape out of. Uh, and it's it's fast-paced, it's frantic, it's stressful, it is sweaty, and it has some gross teeth in it. <laughs> if you're a degenerate gambler as well, like, I mean, I am, don't watch this movie because it, won't, <laughs> it, it will not do you any good in that, in that respect but um no it's a it's a great movie and if you haven't yes if you haven't watched it go see it so what were your um what were your first impressions uh as soon you know movie end you turned it off you sat back in that plane seat what was going through your head (laughs) again going to that gambling degenerate i was like i want to put a parlay down right now on some nba basketball (laughs) (laughs) okay okay it got me oh, pumped. So it got end. me like I was like, <laughs> "Let's fucking go!" But obviously, oh. with the ending, you know, it it, it 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 takes you on a on a roller coaster. It it truly does. Yeah. Um. It was really funny, you know. So the ending, you know, now we we've gotten to the point where we're gonna start hitting spoilers pretty hard. Um. If you've seen the end of the movie, despite Adam Sandler's big gamble paying off, he has stirred up so much ruckus with this other either other family or other you know gym trading group that they just decide to shoot Adam Sandler and his brother just right in the noggin, despite them you know winning on this big payoff. Uh, and it was really interesting. I actually had about three or four people in the movie theater I saw it in as soon as they got shot uh, stand up and walk out. Really? Yeah. They were that pissed? I love. I mean, I, I I loved it and hated it at the same time because the Safdie brothers obviously didn't give a fuck about um, killing his character off at the end. But um, I think that makes the film unique because, you know, the the main guy doesn't win. Well, he does, but he doesn't. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he does and he doesn't. And it it very much, you know, in the back of my mind, I kind of 
assumed that would happen, but it still caught me so off guard because, you know, he, he finishes this whole huge scheme he's plotting out and he's just celebrating and celebrating. And his brother, who's kind of to an extent being held hostage by the guys who are, you know, furious with Adam Sandler for gambling all their money. And, you know, there's this huge sigh of relief from the brother, from Adam Sandler, even the guys who are there to, you know, initially just beat the crap out of him. Uh, but there's this huge sigh of relief from everybody. And you're like, Oh my God, I can breathe. This movie is going to end nicely. And then bang, he's dead. It's over. No, I thought it was brilliant the way that they did that, especially with, um, you know, you wanting him to succeed at the end. Because like I said, if you were to pass him by in the street, you'd fucking hate the guy. But because you're watching him go through this roller coaster of a journey, he's getting fucked. He's getting fucked. He's getting fucked literally by everyone around him. Kind of, you know, like he finally gets his win. Yet he still gets fucked at the end. Yeah. I something, you know, I, I want to talk more about the parts of this movie I loved because there is so much of this movie that I loved. But um something that struck me as very odd is the movie opens up on a note that had me anticipating a totally different movie. Oh, 100 um, The movie opens with, you know, two miners who are in it's it's Ethiopia, correct? It is, yeah. Yeah, two uh, miners in Ethiopia who during, you know, this this big injury scene where somebody gets hurt in the mine, they sneak back into the mine as everyone is rushing out and they steal this black opal, which is some uh, you know, a, a really rare gem that Adam Sandler's character has um paid them to steal for him so he can sell it at an auction. And as soon as this scene occurred, I was gearing up for a movie really focused on that opal, almost like a blood diamond esque movie where it's kind of trying to hustle around this, this stolen almost artifact, but the movie really doesn't follow the opal as much as I anticipated. I think it's more the theme behind the opal and what that represents, you know, because Hey, KG, Kevin Garnett plays himself in this movie and he's just taking- great job too. Oh, you know, like you have these uh, superstars going into the entertainment business and, you know, a couple of them can, a couple of them can't, but Kevin Garnett did a remarkable job in my opinion, but um, his character just is taken away like Adam Sandler's um, as Adam Sandler was as well. Um, and that scene of him cutting open the fish and like the look in his eyes as his assistant is like pissed off at him, yelling at him because he's saying that he doesn't appreciate him. But Howard, the character, doesn't give a crap about what he's saying because he's just so focused on this black opal. Yeah. And a Kevin Garnett's performance, I, I really loved his his performances when they were like in the auctioning scene. And I mean, a lot of this was just great writing. The Safdie brothers know how to write an actor into a character very well because, you know, Adam Sandler at the end of the day didn't really play anything too different than what he's played in the past. I mean, he was a loud, obnoxious, you know, not serious, almost whimsical character but the way he was written in the situation and the context that that character is put in really drives the performance. And I feel like that's what they did a great job with in, with Kevin Garnett is they had him sitting in the auction when they're auctioning the Opal and Kevin Garnett wants to get it. And, you know, he's got this really subtle back and forth with his agent and he's, he's on edge about, you know, gambling more. And there's a lot more context behind this situation. But I just feel like in general, the Safety brothers did a great job of putting Kevin Garnett in a space where he could really act well because they wrote him, you know, as himself. Yeah. No, and like I said, he just he felt it seemed that he was just comfortable uh acting that out. And you you love to see it that these uh these these superstars in their respective sports are able to, you know, get into the entertainment business. We've got is is um Space Jam 2 going to be coming out here anytime soon? I've not heard too much about that recently, but... Last I heard, it was it was being talked about for holiday 2020, but I think it might be holiday 2021 now. Um, I don't know a ton about it. If I'm being honest, I wasn't really raised on the original Space Jam. And oh. so I, you know, like, I'll see it when it comes out, but I'm not, like, 
geeking to see LeBron on the big screen. Well, I, th- I don't think it's just LeBron as well. I think they've uh, roped in some other NBA stars to be in the movie as well. Um, I had to do some researching in that in that field. But again, just go back to my points that, you know, these superstars are finishing off their careers in their respective sports and like not going into entertainment. Yeah, it, it's definitely cool to see them finding their way into another industry and especially for some of them turning out to be a great, you know, piece to add to the you know movie industry. For sure. Um, but hey, get us back underway with the movie. So we just talked about Kevin Garnett. Um, what other who else? You know, there were some other stellar performances in this movie. I I don't. I wasn't. I, I I wish I knew the names, and I, I'm I'm bad about acting or um, actor and actress names. But Adam Sandler's wife and his girlfriend, or Howard, the character's wife and girlfriend in this movie, were incredible. The first scene that comes to mind is when Howard is crying in his office because he's just had another thing go against him. Yeah, and he's just you know I'm a fuck up. I can't <laughs> stop doing shit wrong. And and his girlfriend or Julia. kind of like a mistress. Yeah. yeah, Julia. She's like comforting him, and it's this was, almost supposed to be a sad scene, but everyone's laughing. Yeah. I mean, well, this was after they had the fight because uh, he thought that she was fucking the weekend. Which again, he's in this and. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, not not a lot, but again, it's not like he acted poorly. <laughs> no, I mean, he killed it. He 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 played the part he needed to play. Yeah, um, but Damani, uh, Lakeith Stanfield, he's been in Get Out. He was in Knives Out. He was one of the lieutenants in that movie. Which, if you haven't seen that, again, that was a uh, Daniel Craig. That was a really good film. Chris Evans' uh, infamous sweater, um, <laughs> and he's in this show called Atlanta, which. Um, yeah. I watched the first season of Atlanta and I enjoyed it. I, I didn't stay on board for the second, but what character did he play in Atlanta? Um, oh, I can't think off the top of my head, but he was one of um, you know, the entourages. Was he? One of like Gambino's posse. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay. No, I, I didn't expect him to be in this movie, but he was kind of, you know, the guy that was getting um, Howard business for his jewelry store, you know, because there's that one scene where he's like, no, don't tell him that there's no papers because obviously it's not completely legal what they're doing. But um, oh yeah, uh, no, he was he. I thought he was cool in it. He fucks he, he fucks over Howard, but um, that's just I mean, that's I mean, just Howard's a theme. Fucking over him, yeah. I mean, that's just a theme of the movie that it's just like again, it's like bouncing. It's like one thing goes wrong, one thing goes right. He continues. He should have yeah. stopped, but it goes wrong again. And yeah, I, Howard, he the character just can't stop in this movie and i think that's what makes it so stressful is the minute you think that kind of like a a side storyline is going to resolve he just picks up another one immediately i mean every every other scene with um you know the guy who's kind of hustling to get in business howard has you know pawned off another one of his watches and so he'll go back and look in the safe to try to find a watch to show you know, one of the clients and, you know, two of them are missing. And he's like, where the heck, where the fuck did my watches go? Or he doesn't have papers for something. Or, you know, he's sending somebody a picture of money that he already pawned off or yeah, gambled, gambled into away. something else. Or he's giving people fake Rolexes to tide them over because he owes them money. And I mean, let's think of some specifics. He gives KG the black opal and KG gives him his championship ring as collateral. And immediately pawns immediately pawns it to get cash that he can then bet on kevin garnett's game in that in 2012 and yeah i mean okay and he wins it he wins the bet but the mob bosses found out that you know he was betting with their owed money so they stopped the bet go through and he didn't win his money and he's just digging himself a deeper hole that is just the name of this movie is Adam Sandler Howard digging himself into a deeper hole constantly. Holes three, three. <laughs> holes three, holes three. Did they make a hole? I don't know. I just why I said three. Uh, but no, seriously, <laughs> he was literally digging himself into more holes. You know, he thought that the the opal would sell for a lot more than it actually did or would have. So you know, it's just. <laughs> The poor guy couldn't catch a break, but he he talks his stepdad. He talks his stepdad into like false bidding to try to jack up 
Kevin Garnett's bid on the Opal when they're at auction. Yeah. But, you know, the <laughs> stepdad accidentally bids too high and then he gets stuck with the Opal and he just spent, you know, $190,000 on something that he doesn't want. It's just, oh, it's just nonstop stress, nonstop bad decisions. And again, he wins his huge parlay at the end of the game. I think it was like, what, 1.2 million or something that he was going to win. For the guys who've seen this movie, you know how it ends. Um, Something else in this movie that I really surprisingly enjoyed and I want to talk about real quick are the stunning, you know, visual CG sequences of the camera flying through New York, the black opal oh, oh. and you know, the cosmic shit going on. It was trippy as hell. Honestly, it's it was it, yeah. wild. Um, okay. So like, obviously if you've seen it and you're still listening, um, the camera goes like deeper and deeper inside the opal and it takes you through like, like you said, a cosmic phase, you know, um, which obviously ends up to be, inside which is kind of gross adam sandler as he's getting what is it the colonoscopy or something like that oh yeah and that's how it brings it from 2010 which was when they found the opal to 2012 because um he i think he said it this fucker took me 17 months to get or something like that yeah that was that was a whole nother um little side side plot that i really enjoyed um was I guess it wasn't necessarily a side plot, more just kind of a quick scene in the movie where Kevin Garnett is getting on to you know Howard's back. Like, how much did you pay these guys who stole this gym for you? Like, how are you just stepping all over all these other people to get what you want? And one, I think Howard blatantly lied when he said he paid him a hundred thousand dollars. I would (laughs) bet he paid him a grand, maybe. But that whole monologue from Howard about like, you know how it is. Like you're in the NBA, you got to hustle, you got to play people, you got to push people to get what you want. You got to, you know, take what you have and put it somewhere else. And he does a really great job of tricking, not necessarily tricking, but persuading Kevin Garnett into believing that mindset. And he does a good job of tricking the audience into kind of vibing with that mindset because by the end of it, I was like, fuck yeah, you got to hustle him. (laughs) Shit, do what you got to do. But then it's like, no, he's just screwing people over. Yeah. I mean, and again, that's essentially what this movie is like people screwing each other over, but no, it was, um, it was a great film. I I had fun watching it. A lot of F bombs. I mean, the entire movies essentially shouted. Um, I also, I also love just like the, the street, like like you said about the camera and that kind of stuff, the filmography at the street level in New York City and how it was following him around everywhere, you know, just like that kind of busy New York City streets, you know? Yeah. It felt very, very real, very vivid. I loved uh, any time he was walking around, you know, because he, he's, it's, he's moving around basically just the major block where all of these different jewelry stores are like handling all the business, you know, back and forth from his shop to the auction house. But anytime he's walking down the street, somebody's coming up to him, getting onto his back about how he owes them money. And that just added to the tension because they could have these downtime scenes of him just walking back and forth from place to place, but they keep the tension going by having people constantly interrupting him getting onto his back about more fuck-ups that he's been doing. Yeah, and I mean, his character, I don't know, he's, he's obnoxious, he's cocky, um, he obviously has an incredible gambling problem. Um, but at the same time, you know, like, even though he was, that, that was that kind of other side to his life with his mistress, he was a family man as well, kind of. You know, he was still turning. Yeah. He was still turning up to like Passover and those family functions, and um, and then you know he's not a great husband, but you'd like to think that he's a half okay dad. Real quick, the scene where his son comes up with him to his apartment and he's grabbing some stuff from it, and they go back down, and his son is like, you know, neighbor just told me you've been having this hot girl over. I hope that's mom, and he's like. Don't say anything about that. And you just, the look on this kid's face is, I mean, so disheartening. And that was a scene that really killed it for me and drove home that I don't like this character that Adam Sandler is playing. Yeah, that was just, that was a tough scene for me. I completely forgot about that. So I might have to rescind that comment about him being a half decent dad. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, mean, he he cared. You can see that he cared, you know. 
yeah, I mean, he there's the scene where he and his son are, you know, watching the basketball game together and, you know, talking, chatting, having a good time. Like, that's it's a really it's a it's a heartwarming it's as heartwarming a scene as you can get in a with, movie like Howard, that. with Howard in this movie. Yeah. But still, man, I mean, that scene where his son found out that his, you know, kind of an eye opening moment that his dad is not always chopped up to be that. That was tough, and that kind of made me feel a little better about hating the character for the rest of the movie. Yeah, and again, even though with that being said, when he did get shot, you're kind of like, fuck, I really wanted him to finally just win. But, get away with it. But maybe yeah. that's the, the theme that they're trying to, you know, it does, it, it, not everyone wins. Yeah, I I, I mean, I think that's a, that's a huge theme for it, is that you can't, you can't keep you can only have a second chance so often. Right. I mean, he had fifth chances by the end of this movie where, you know, his brother had warned him multiple times, had stripped him naked and locked him in the trunk of a car and all this. And at some point, regardless of whether or not you win or lose, the situation is going to blow up in your face. Yeah. And um, I think it was Phil at the end was the one that shot him and he was just like, I've had enough of this bullshit. I'm just going to stop it. Which was a- yeah, because you know he's he has no relation to that. Arnold wasn't killing him because Arnold was his brother. Which oh, speaking of, can we talk about the surprise of Arnold being his brother? Yeah, no, that was it, it, I think it's his half brother or his um, brother-in-law, stepbrother, yeah. like that um, brother-in-law, not stepbrother, yeah, brother, something like that. But um, yeah, right, <laughs> that was kind of a a moment. I mean, taking I, you back. I, I was yeah, I was I was sitting in the theater because. You know, if you're still listening to this and you haven't seen the movie, God bless you because this movie's ruined for you. Um, yeah. But there, the scene, you know, he he's been in kind of cahoots with Arnold, um, who's been throwing him around, you know, locking him up in cars, doing all this bad stuff to him because he owes him money. And then you get to this family dinner scene where you see them sitting across the table from each other. And I remember seeing this movie with my dad and brother. You know, and we all just looked at each other and we were like, why, why is he sitting across the table from the dude he owes money? And then you go, oh shit, because he owes his freaking brother-in-law money. Yeah. No, that was a wild kind of uh, turn to that. But again, it's just, that's what made the, the film the, the way it was. It was, um, again, to summarize this, this entire film, it was amazing. Um, it, ke- it kept you on the edge of your seat. You're rooting for someone that you don't want to root for, which you know you shouldn't be rooting for. They're, a true anti-hero, man. Yeah, seriously. I mean, a Ryan Reynolds equivalent of a degenerate gambler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds, I mean, he wouldn't have been half bad in this movie, honestly. Yeah, he could have probably done something. Um, but no. But Adam Sandler killed Oh, him. yeah, he was great. Just, you know, his, like, just New York, the accent, um his mannerisms his like he, he he killed that um his glasses oh my god his goatee just he's was he yeah. wearing like a leather a leather jacket and running around the whole yeah and a, just crusty big suits yeah and paul's a absolute worldy of a chick who obviously was his assistant at the jewelry store or whatever yeah. but no it was a roller coaster Again, it made me want to put down ten parlays as soon as I'd finished watching it on the NBA. <laughs> but hey, yeah, man, uh, yeah, I I can't blame you. I mean, I I was like, man, I need to gamble a little more after <laughs> I saw that movie. <laughs> no, um, it's, it, it's, it was. I loved the film. That's the last thing I'll say about it. <laughs> yeah, I loved it too. Real quick before we kind of wrap up, I want to talk. I actually, so I I went back the day or two days after seeing this movie and rewatched, you know, the Safdie brothers movie they released in 2017, which was their last, you know, major picture before, uh, uncut gems, uh, which was the movie. Good time. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen I, I, good. Time. I have it. That's got Robert Pattinson in it though. Right. Am I wrong? It's got Robert Pattinson. Okay. Um, and I mean, Robert Pattinson is incredible in it. If you liked uncut gems, you'll absolutely love this movie. Just something that was really funny for me was I remembered seeing Uncut Gems for the first time, or not Uncut Uncut Gems. I remember seeing um, Good Time for the first time, and you know while I was watching it, and when the movie ended, I was like, "Oh, that was a rush! Like I am, whoo, I am tense. That was you know that was good. That was nuts." And then I saw Uncut Gems, and you know going back and seeing Good Time, Good Time feels like a 
cakewalk <laughs> compared to Uncut Gems, just speed and stress wise. It's still an incredible movie that I suggest seeing. Um, but just like as a testament to how fast paced this movie is, like if you've seen Good Time, Uncut Gems is on another level of loud and fast and furious. And I'm I'm not talking Dwayne Johnson. No, it was yeah. It keeps you on your toes. It keeps you on your edge. You see, you're sweating the entire time. Gross, but. I mean, it's part of the experience, honestly. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's, it, regardless of whether you love it or hate it, it's something worth seeing just because of how much it makes you feel. Yeah. And watching, watching Howard watch the games as well, you can relate with because I'm sure most people have oh, put, yeah. put bets down here and there. And you're, you know, you're all feeling that same feeling like, you know, is it a lock? Are, are, are you going to win this bet? You know, and he's pacing around the room, like celebrating, like cursing when it doesn't go his way. Slapping the TV. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I, I, yeah, that part as well, before we um, get done with the, the deep dive down with the movie. But no, that was um, another fun part for me that I, that I thought anyway. Yeah. Absolutely loved it. Good film. Ten, well, I I wouldn't, you know, I like saying ten out of ten a lot, even if it's not a ten out of ten. I don't, I don't think, I don't know. No, I, hey, no, do you let's, like let, let's, yeah, I think we should start. Let's start rating movies. Our like our personal yeah. um, ATM rating system. So one, a one to ten system, a, a one to five system. What, what are you What are you looking for? Um, I am a big fan of IMDb, the movie database website, and they do out of 10 or out of 100. So With decimals. Yeah, right. Yeah. So um, at the moment, if I remember rightly, I saw that Uncut Gems on IMDb is sitting at an 8.0. Okay. To pull it, it's cruising at like 89% on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. okay. So because sometimes IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes, like they, the, the reviews differ dramatically yeah they cr- they clash sometimes yeah it's weird. i mean it is pretty strange to see but um to give you some kind of perspective like the dark knight was a 9.2 i think shawshank redemption is like a 9.3 fight clubs like an 8.9 i i personally would have given it like an 8.2 or an 8.3 just because of like yeah. you know it's not an amazing movie like like the shawshank redemption or fight club or dark knight or something like that but for what its genre is, it fucking kills that, at least. I am, um, I I'm gonna bump up for mine a little more than that eight point two, and I'm I'm gonna go ahead and throw out an eight point five. Okay. Uh, I I really liked this movie. I loved the color palette of it, just the very like purple and silver, just weird high contrast color palette I thought was really cool. Um, I, and I, I thought it was a great movie and I thought those cool like CGI moments of it going through the, the cosmic gems really was like icing on the cake yeah. where they got to, you know, give the, the editors and the, you know, the, the CGI guys, they get, you know, they gave them an opportunity to put something, uh, a personal touch into the movie, which I think is, is really cool. And not a lot of uh, movies are, bold enough to do something like that yeah um they probably told those guys hey you haven't got a lot to do this movie so go ahead for about 20 30 seconds and go at it (laughs) yeah i I mean i and i think they did a really cool job with just you know throwing that in there as transitions um but yeah i feel like an 8.5 is super great i not everyone's gonna love this movie in fact a lot of people are probably gonna hate it but you know it's not my favorite movie but i can't think of a movie in recent times i've seen where i have just felt so much emotion going through me on a consistent basis yeah and so you can say that that movie did its job right because i'm sure everyone that watched that would agree with you i agree with you yeah definitely okay sweet so that was uncut gems um we'll be doing a lot more of those reviews of um specific movies that we've both seen uh We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll try going forward to do a better job of maybe doing a, a quick three-minute segment of an unspoiled um, kind of summary of the movie before then spoiling the hell out of it. Yeah, 
um, some unspoiled thoughts from you know us. You know, give give you give you our take. Yeah. Before we really dive into yeah, just to our t- just to tell you if it's worth it or not to go to the movies or wait until it's released on one of these million platforms. Um, yeah. But no, for sure. Um, that was uncut gems. There's some good movies coming out in January this year. Um, yeah, some really great movies. T- ben, tell us the one that you're excited for this week. I am most excited for 1917 this week. Um, I just recently got off a bender of listening to Dan Carlin's Hardcore History, and he has a, a six-part, 25-hour-long series on World War One. And I've been listening to that over the past month. And I mean, this movie is looking like it's going to check all the right boxes. Uh, it's got some really cool talent in it. I know Benedict Cumberbatch is going to be in it, which is always fun to see him in a flick. It's, Colin, Colin, it's a one-shot, Firth, right? Yeah, Colin Firth. Um, it's it's supposed to be you know the the faux one take where it all looks like it's done in one shot, which I absolutely I love that style. I love Birdman because of that. Um, and yeah, you know, I'm just excited about a good World War One feature because I don't think there are enough of those. No, I couldn't agree with you more. I'm excited. I'm seeing that uh, tomorrow, I believe. Today's Wednesday. Oh, yeah, jealous. Yeah, so jealous that you're seeing it. Tomorrow. Well, we'll make, we might have to do another show um, about 1917 next, or um, we'll figure that out. But um, no, yeah, I, at least in the coming couple weeks. Oh, 100. Um, other movies that are being released this month include Bad Boys for Life with Ooh. you know will smith Bad martin boys. lawrence apparently vanessa hudgens is in it so she's going to be the hot girl uh which i mean i'm completely fine interesting with. I'm completely fine with yeah sure why not um i don't know if that's a cash grab money grab but again take my money i'm gonna go watch it i mean yeah it'll be it'll be something um, it'll be something right uh do little which is do little robert downey jr's i think is his first um big film since his departure of the avengers and i think like a couple of the avengers cast are in this movie as voices i know tom holland's in it which is oh that's fine man obviously um so that could be a because you know like i remember um robert downey jr if I'm not seeing him as Iron Man, I'm seeing him as Sherlock Holmes and those, I think they were Guy Ritchie yeah. films, which I'll get on to Guy Ritchie here yeah. in a second. But, um, you know, that kind of, again, lighter humor, um, which it could be fun to see him in. I'm kind of excited for Doolittle. A lot of people I've been talking to and seeing have been saying, you know, oh, this is just like a weird cash grab. Like, why are they making this new movie? Nobody asked for this movie. But I really like Robert Downey Jr. I'm excited to see him in a lighter role the cgi and effects look great on it and i think it, at the very least it will be a fun like family ride yeah and to cool. and to touch on you know like no one asked for it but some of those types of movies where it's like did we really need a lego movie of course we didn't uh, but yeah. how how fucking good was that film i loved it i mean top notch yeah you know just things like that so we'll see how do this will go i don't know if i'll go see it in the theater but um i will definitely be checking out uh what platform it's going to eventually release on um yeah another couple of movies that are releasing this month is um gretel and hansel that notorious um brothers grim Storytell of the brother and sister making their way into the woods and stumbling on a witch's house. And I think this is going to be more of a dark horror. Yeah, it sounds like a, like a dark, gritty spin on yeah. it from what I've seen. So that's releasing. And then, like I said, uh, Guy Ritchie, um, The Gentleman will be releasing. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm, I'm cautiously excited about that one. Kind of has Kingsman vibes. Yeah. I... I really enjoyed the first Kingsman. I liked the second Kingsman just because I was biased of liking the first one, which I knew the second one yeah. wasn't as good. But no, I'm excited. You got Matthew McConaughey, you got Charlie Hunnam, um, Charlie Hunnam from Sons of Anarchy. He's that's kind of his main role, um, and uh, Arthur. He was King King Arthur, which again was a Guy Ritchie movie, which I enjoyed, but I think others were a little bit skeptical on. And it has Jeremy Strong in it. Um, he was in The Kingsman. He was the bald guy um, who sings Take Me Home Country Roads at the end of uh, <laughs> The Second Kingsman. So he's in it. Good cast. Never saw The Second Kingsman. Never saw The Second Again, Kingsman. Again, it wasn't as good as the first one, but um, I was... Bi- Still fun? Yeah, I was biased because I really enjoyed the first one. 
and I, I, I love the first. I know that they're um, bringing out um, the King's Man, which is a prequel to that trilogy. Uh, it will okay. soon to be trilogy because um, they are releasing a Kingsman three. Uh, but if you have not seen that trailer, okay. it's called The King's Man, I think. Um, and I'm excited for that one. You should check it out. I'll go take a watch. I haven't. I have not seen anything on it yet, so I'll go give that a watch tonight. Well, um, that's. I think. Ooh, real quick, I'll tell you. We one quick little tidbit. It's not coming out super soon, but I did just see a trailer this week that I really want to talk about very briefly. Uh, a Quiet Place Two. Yes. Trailer. No, came out. please continue. Oh. Continue. I am so excited about this movie because to me, it looks like they have done what the Alien franchise did from Alien to Aliens, where Alien was a very quiet, uh, low-key, you know, thriller, horror movie. But then Aliens was like blown off the wall action adventure. And from the look of this trailer... You know, it opens up in a town where, you know, everybody's driving around going nuts. You know, aliens are dropping left and right. And I immediately was like, this kind of looks like what they did with aliens. And I am so on board. No, I couldn't agree with you more. They have seemed to have um, like amped it up. Like, I think a lot of people have seen A Quiet Place. Again, if you have not, another film. We're going to like throughout these um podcast we're gonna essentially just talk about everything that we've thoroughly enjoyed watching and so like i said therefore everyone else in the entire world should also watch um but (laughs) a quiet place was great and um like ben said you know like that first movie was really quiet really eerie and this trailer that was released just it seems the opposite so i'm excited about it yeah john christine back uh, back directing as well so um, he's getting some experience oh, under cool his belt. Cool to see him do it. Yeah. So, well, I think uh, we've got nothing more. Yeah, I think we can. Uh, I think we can wrap it up. Call it a day. Sign off. Okay. Well, thank you for joining us uh, for this amount of time. We appreciate you listening. It's our first pod, so hopefully the only way is up. Um, in that respect, I don't know, man. It's all downhill from oh, here. No, it's uphill. It's uphill. We peaked too early. Yeah. But we'll be continuing to do this type, kind of stuff where we'll bring some news, uh, a movie that we've both watched, or two movies if we kind of try to tone down each of those into a podcast that we think are worth going to the theatre to watch, or if they've already been out, out for a while, because I'm hoping, uh, Ben, if you agree with me here, that we'll also touch on some absolute classics that we've both loved. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd love to touch on some classics. Um, that maybe you haven't got in your um vocab your dictionary your vocabulary that you've seen so yeah we'll see we'll see what happens there but yeah thanks for listening this is presented again by a fan fuel sports fan fuel showbiz go check out our buddies uh, other podcasts hot take hoops um with jack hell and also atm at the minute at the minute. not at the movies because uh yeah we were, we were really <laughs> original there in uh, our name but Thanks for listening. Yep. Once again, uh, signing off, Benny D here and the man, the myth, the legend. What's your name? I'm British boss. No, I'm J- Jordan Nichols. <laughs> that's a that, Jordan that, that's a personal joke uh, in our group chat. I'm called. I call myself British boss because I'm. I'm obviously sad like that. So. Wait, you're British. I'm Australian, dude. What are you talking about? (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm fish. But no, thanks for saying with us.